This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Kind of a surprise announcement Friday from the education minister. Now, he's been under a lot of pressure to deal with this issue of seclusion rooms uh, in some troubling stories that have come to light. In fact, a lawsuit that's been launched by one family. Uh, but it appeared as though the, the minister was going to try to, to allow this to, to play out through uh, through different guidelines. But the uh, education minister announcing on Friday that, in fact, the practice of allowing these seclusion rooms would end and that it was going to be banned. Uh, more details here from uh, Global News reporter Sarah Krause. Despite a review that's been ongoing since last fall, now that's when David Egan set up a working group to develop guidelines that would make schools safer for both students and teachers. Seclusion rooms are places where children, often ones with developmental disabilities, go when they're acting out and staff can't handle them. Not all schools have seclusion rooms. Edmonton Catholic says they have two, and Edmonton Public says they have 36 behavior and learning assistance programs, most of which have some form of a timeout space. But part of the issue, according to the Alberta's Teachers Association, is that sensory rooms, calming rooms, and seclusion rooms are all being lumped together. And they say in many cases, parents are supportive of teachers sending their children to different rooms. Inclusion Alberta disagrees and says they've heard from hundreds of parents that believe an outright ban is needed. Last September, Aidan Henschel's parents filed a lawsuit against his Sherwood Park school after their son was was put in one of the rooms. When his dad arrived, the grade 8 student was naked and covered in feces. Inclusion Alberta wants to get a close look at the wording in the education minister's order to ensure it ends the entire practice of isolating children. All right, that from uh, Sarah uh, Krauss with Global News. So joining us for some reaction to, to this announcement is Trish Bowman, who is CEO of Inclusion Alberta, inclusionalberta.org. Trish, thanks so much for joining us. You're welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. All right, well... The, the Alberta government had previously brought in some guidelines that were meant to deal with all of this, but uh, d- does it seem as though this is kind of an admission from the province that that wasn't enough and we needed this ban? Well, I, I think what it is is um, a recognition that uh, the province has listened, in fact, to the concerns of hundreds of, of families across the province who um, you know, have deep concern about uh, the practice of seclusion and restraint. So I think uh, it's a really positive indication that they listened. So what is it we're talking about here when we talk about seclusion rooms and what is it that's going to be banned now? Right. So seclusion, as we would define it, and as is, I think, uh, defined you know, internationally, is the basically involuntary confinement of a child alone in a room uh, from which they're prevented from leaving. So uh, it is um, really not the room itself, it's the practice of, of isolating a child um, in a room and, as I said, preventing them from leaving, locking them in. And so that is what um, the minister, you know, came out with last week, saying that he would ban the use of uh, rooms that are dedicated to that uh, purpose. Now, we've heard some some disturbing stories of families come forward to talk about what's happened with their children. I mean, how, how widespread is this or has it been? Well, I think partly um, 
when we first launched our survey in the fall, it was in response to the fact that we don't know how widespread this is. So there has not been any record keeping or accountability uh, or monitoring of this, the use of these rooms. Um, and so really there is no reliable data. Um, what we found from our survey is just under 400 uh, families replied. And um, it seems to be, um, you know, I'm afraid pretty widespread, which is as we suspected. Well, I mean, if if were there guidelines that allowed for this? I mean, were, have there mm-hmm. ever been rules in place that, yes. that have regulated this? There have been. There have been guidelines in place since 2002. <clears throat> and um, uh, unfortunately, again, they were not enforceable guidelines. So really, they were, you know, recommendations to school districts for how this should be um, uh, applied and monitored. But there was no... Um, requirement that um, schools follow those guidelines. So again, uh, we've been saying for years, in fact, that guidelines are inadequate to protect children. And so again, when the uh, province committed to looking at this again in the fall, um, our you know position from the beginning was that guidelines in and of themselves would not be adequate because they haven't been to date. And that what we really needed to see was um, some form of enforcement through either ministerial order or legislation. So that's what the minister, you know, came out with last right. week. So that's what we have now is, is a meaningful and enforceable ban. That's right. And that there, w- there will be a mechanism by which um, school districts will be required to report to Alberta Education. So Now, why were schools doing this? Was, it, was this meant as, as punishment? Did they think that they were somehow protecting these children or other children? What kind of circumstances would lead to this? Well, I can't speak, of course, for for schools and districts, but um, generally, um, you know, what would be, uh, I think, presented is that these would be in situations when um, they're they're supposed to be used in situations where there is an imminent risk to a child's safety or the safety of others. Um, And so uh, that this would be seen as a measure of last resort, um, where they're removing a child from uh, a situation that's become dangerous. Um, Of course, our position is that there are a lot of other things you can do in that situation that don't um, cause further trauma and actually put that child at risk because obviously they can hurt themselves and they do hurt themselves alone in those rooms, but it also causes significant emotional trauma. So um, it really um, should never be used as a form of punishment. It is not a teaching uh, practice. It doesn't teach appropriate behavior. It doesn't teach self-regulation. Um, so it has no programmatic value. Um, so it really is intended to only be used um, for as short a period of time as necessary to regain control. But we, again, don't think that uh, isolation is a practice that should ever be used with a child. So does it suggest that schools, they don't have the resources, they don't have the training to understand how to deal with these situations? Well, I think that um, certainly positive approaches to um, behavior uh, are you know, well understood. There is a lot of, of uh, material and information about positive approaches and conflict de- de-escalation. So there's a lot of information out there. If schools don't have it or aren't using it, then that's an issue that needs to be looked at. But I would also say that, you know, there are districts in the province that don't uh, don't have seclusion rooms. So obviously it isn't a matter of perhaps not enough resources. It's about getting the necessary training and having the right supports in place in the school. 
Um, so it's how you allocate your resources, perhaps, um, to ensure that all children are safe. So is that going to be part of the, the follow through here in, in terms of implementing this policy, not just laying down the law to schools, but ensuring that, that they know how to handle these situations? Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, we recognize that um, that there's a lot more that needs to go into this, as does the minister. And I assume that's why he's looking at September uh, 2019 for, for the implementation of the ministerial order. But absolutely, there's going to need to be... Um, you know, some real thought in terms of what do districts need to ensure that um, they've got the right plans in place, they've got the right resources in place, and staff know, um, you know, have really, I think, thoughtful plans around children and uh, how to support them when they start to become, um, you know, deregulated. All right. Well, much more uh, on this issue at inclusionalberta.org. Trish, thanks so much for making some time for us here this afternoon. Really appreciate this. Thank you very much. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.